Good afternoon and welcome. We're here from Partick Free Church of Scotland, continuing. We're a, a local congregation. We minister in the, the west end of Glasgow. And we have come out here this afternoon for our weekly open-air outreach. And this week we're coming from Buchanan Street in Glasgow City Centre. We're delighted you're able to join with us. As we said, we're a local congregation from Partick Free Church of Scotland continuing. And we meet at Two Thornwood Terrace. And we would give you a warm welcome to come along to any of our services. We meet on the Lord's Day, that Sunday at 11 a.m. And we also meet at 6 p.m. to Thornwood Terrace. Just go up to Barton Road. You'll come to the police station. And once you see the police station, opposite the police station, you shall see a hill. And that hill will take you up to Thornwood Primary School. And we're next door at the crossroads. And as we said, we extend a warm welcome to any one of you to come along to our public worship services. Well, why are we out here today? Well, there's nothing unusual about this. We tend to come out once a week, weather permitting, usually on a Friday, but because of other arrangements, we're here on Thursday afternoon. And we come out, friends, because although Christianity is at least 2,000 years old, and indeed we could argue it's even older than that, but for argument's sake, let's just say that Christianity is at least 2,000 years old. Yet, there are many, many people who are really ignorant about Christianity and what it's all about. And therefore, we would like to take that opportunity this afternoon for a few moments as you pass by that we might be able to tell you something about real, about authentic genuine Christianity and friends we take our Christianity from the Word of God from the Bible that's where you must take your Christianity from sadly today it can be said you cannot take your Christianity from the church you must go to the authentic Word of God to take your Christianity from that well, what is Christianity all about? Well, friends, Christianity is all about the Son of God. Who is the Son of God? The Son of God is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God. He always was the Son of God. He always will be the Son of God. He is from everlasting to everlasting. As the Son of God, He has no beginning. He is eternal. The Word became flesh, we're told. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. But there came a time, there came a point in time, when He took to Himself our form and our nature. He became just like us. That happened some 2,000 years ago, 
by a miraculous operation of God the Holy Spirit. Now, no one can possibly understand what happened. We just have to take it by faith, what we find re revealed to us in the Word of God. But the day came when the Son of God, the second person in the Blessed Trinity, became a man. He was conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary by a miraculous operation of God the Holy Spirit. And in due time, he was born. There was nothing unusual about his birth. He came into this world the same way as every one of us came into this world. He had a normal birth. And for around 30 years, he lived in obscurity. He lived in poverty. But there came a time when he began his public ministry. And the Bible tells us that he went about doing good. He healed the sick. He opened the ears of the deaf. He opened the eyes of the blind. He loosened the tongue of those who were dumb. And there came a time when he even raised the dead. There are three occasions recorded for us in the Bible where the Lord Jesus Christ displayed his power over death itself. And of course he went about preaching and teaching. And he was one who preached with power and with authority. And when the people heard him preach, they recognized that this was no ordinary individual. Here was someone unique, someone who spoke with authority, someone who could open up the Word of God, explain it and apply it, unlike the scribes and the Pharisees. But because he had such a popular ministry and because the common people heard him gladly and they thronged to him, the religious leaders of the day began to despise him. They envied his success to such an extent that they wanted rid of him. And how did they do this? Well, they persuaded the Roman governor Pilate to crucify the Lord Jesus Christ. They trumped up false charges against him. They said that he blasphemed God. Now Pilate, recognizing that Jesus was indeed innocent, did not want to crucify him. But in order that he might please men, he handed Jesus over to them and they crucified him. Now, we have to step back a moment and we recognize that this terrible deed was done by wicked men. But we have to recognize the hand of God in all of this. This was God's way to deal with mankind's greatest problem. What is the problem that faces mankind, that faced mankind 2,000 years ago, and that same problem that faces mankind today? What is it? Well, it is our personal sin. That's the great problem that faces everyone that we see walking around here today, 
from Buchanan Street in Glasgow, everyone in their offices, everyone in their shops, everyone without exception, we have this problem. And there, the Lord, our gracious God, was dealing with that problem when Christ was crucified on Calvary's tree. Why? Because Jesus Christ there, he was offering up himself as a once for all perfect sacrifice to satisfy the just demands of God's holy and inflexible law. A law that every one of us has broken. Everyone except one. And who is that one? That one is Jesus Christ. He is the only one that lived a perfect life. He did not sin. He could not sin. It was impossible for him to sin. Therefore, when the time came for him to be crucified, he could offer up a perfect sacrifice. A sacrifice that would meet the just demand of God's strict and holy law. Because God's law says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. And the Bible tells us, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 6 verse 23, For the wages of sin is death. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ Lord. And the only way that we can have life is through the gift that God has given to us because Jesus Christ has paid the price for sin. That's what he did on Calvary's tree. Something glorious and something divine and something wonderful was happening at that time. The Lord our God was punishing his son in our room and in our place. Iniquity of mankind was placed upon Jesus Christ so that he was paying the price for sin there on the cross. You see, God has not gone soft on sin. Many people think that God has gone soft on sin or they might think that sin is not a problem. It's not something that we need to worry about. It's something that we do not be, con be concerned about. Well, that's the case. That's the case. Sin is an extremely serious matter. It is the And therefore we are to take heed to this message because in the message of Christianity, what Jesus Christ has done is the only way for our sins to be forgiven. The only way to be right with God is through believing upon the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done on Calvary's tree. You see, God truly punished his son. His son became our substitute. He died in our room and in our place. And those who believe upon Jesus Christ what happens? Well, they have their sins forgiven. 
Is that not glorious? Is that not wonderful? Is that not truly divine? To have your sins forgiven? Well, we have to realize that no minister of religion or no priest or no cardinal or bishop or archbishop or pope can forgive our sins. It is impossible. Only Jesus can forgive our sins because He is the only one who has paid the price. He has stood in our room and in our place. He laid down His life in order that we might receive forgiveness of sins. And this, friends, even in this busy time of the year, is the most important thing that we can possibly consider. How to get right with God. We have a problem by nature. What is that problem? Well, that problem is... Now, we don't like to hear this, and we don't like to be reminded about it, but nevertheless, we must. Because this matter must be addressed. Because we'll never be in glory, and we'll never see heaven itself, unless we have this matter dealt with. But blessed God, this matter has been dealt with by God Himself. We are the ones who have been estranged and separated from God by our sins, yet God in His mercy has done something about it. What has He done? Son. You might well be familiar with what is regarded as the most well-known and favorite verse in the Bible. You might know it off by heart or you might know something of it. Let me quote it to you. For God so loved the world only perish but have everlasting life for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved there friends is the gift of all gifts this is the supreme gift this is the unspeakable gift God in his mercy God who has been offended by our behavior because we're sinners and sin is offensive to him yet God whom we have offended is the one who has taken the initiative he has gone and sent forth not an angel or not a legion of angels but he has gone forth and sent his only begotten son down to this world down to this barren sin-cursed world in order that ultimately he would suffer and he would die. And we do this as a substitute. And therefore, friends, we want to come out this afternoon. Oh, it's him. You're right, it's him. <laughs> there you go. Someone noticed. It's him. Well, we should notice something else. What are we talking about? We're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's him we want to proclaim to you this afternoon. This one who has suffered and died in order that we might be reconciled to God. But friends, something is required of you. What is required? 
You must believe upon him. That's why we come out this afternoon. We want to tell you about this person in order that you might put your faith and hope and trust upon this person. And indeed the Bible tells us we are to put our faith and hope and trust upon him. But how can we possibly trust upon someone we've never heard or we know nothing about? That's why we come out. Because, friends, without being rude in any sense, there is great ignorance today regarding the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is great ignorance. Many people may have heard about him, but they really don't know anything about him. You've heard his name. You've heard his name being blasphemed. Maybe you've blasphemed his name yourself. Well, what does the Bible say about that? Commandment number three. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who taketh his name in vain. To take the Lord's name in vain is a terrible sin. And many of us do it. And many of us take the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in vain. Well, friends, we want to tell you something about this glorious person. We want to tell you that he's the Son of God and he humbled himself. He came down to this earth in order ultimately to suffer and to die, to go to Calvary, to be a substitute and to pay the price of our sins. And we want to tell you this afternoon that he did it. He came on a mercy mission and that mercy mission was successful. We refer to the cross. Well, do you know what he said when he was on the cross? Just before he died, he said with a loud voice, he said with a loud voice, it is finished. And then he gave up the ghost. Now you might not think much of that, but that itself is remarkable. Here was someone who was suffering and dying. Here was someone who was on the point of death. And he's able to hold his head up. And he's able to cry with a loud voice. It is finished. What was finished? The work that he came to do. He completed it. And when he died there, he died victorious. He was able to cry out that all might hear that the work that he came to do, it is finished. He has been victorious. He accomplished the mission that was set to him. Now, well, you might say, well, he died. Yes, he died and he was taken down and then he was put into a tomb. Notice, friends, he was put into a tomb, but it was a borrowed tomb. Why was it borrowed? Well, he borrowed it because he didn't intend to be there too long. Strange thing, isn't it? He's dead. He goes into a borrowed tomb, but it's not his. Why? Because he's not going to be there for too long. He went there. He remained there on the Friday night, all day Saturday. But what happened on the first day of the week? What happened on Sunday? What happened on the first day of the week? He arose. He came out of the grave. And therefore the Savior that we proclaim to you this afternoon, 
is alive. His enemies who hated him, when they crucified him and when they saw he was dead, they rejoiced. They said, well, that's him out of the way. We've got rid of him. We won't hear of him again. We'll have no problem with him again. Little did they know that death could not hold Jesus Christ. For he arose from the grave. For he has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And friends, I put it to you this afternoon that this is an essential element of Christianity. It's all about life. It's all about eternal life. And Jesus Christ, by his life, by his death, by his resurrection, and by the fact that he sits at God's right hand even today, guarantees eternal life for all who will put their faith and hope and trust upon him. And that's why we come out this afternoon, that you might hear about this person, and that you would call upon him, because it's all very well telling you about the Savior, and indeed, we delight to tell you about the Savior. But there is something that's required of every one of us. You are to come to him. You are to approach him. You are to call upon him. What does the Bible say? For whosoever shall call upon the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever. The Lord Jesus Christ said on one occasion, when he was addressing hardened sinners who were unrepentant, yet he gives to them a gospel appeal. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. There, friends, as you pass by this afternoon, there is a gospel invitation from the Savior himself. Come unto me, all ye that are laden, all ye that are laden and heavy laden, come unto me. That's what he says. Now I ask you this afternoon, is there a burden upon you this afternoon? I'm not talking about your bulging shopping bags. No doubt you'll have plenty of them at this time of the year. But I'm talking about a burden that you cannot see, but you can feel. A burden that manifests itself on certain occasions. Maybe when you're quiet. Maybe at night when you're trying to get to sleep. Or maybe in a time of sickness when you might consider your own mortality. Or indeed maybe a time when a loved one has passed on and you are confronted with the realities of life and death and you have a burden. What's that burden? Let me identify that burden for you. That burden is that you're not right with God. 
There is something that is blocking the relationship that you should have with God. But you don't have it. And you don't have that relationship that you should have with your Creator. And that burden, friends, is sin. It's sin. What is sin? Well, sin is any want of or conformity unto the law of God. It is breaking God's law or not fulfilling God's law. We talk about sins of commission or sins of omission. And we have all done these things. The Bible tells us, For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. None of us can stand before God justified by ourselves, by nature. Why is this? Well, we are sinners by nature. When our first parents were created, Adam from the dust, and Eve from Adam, when they were created, they were perfect. But something happened. They fell. They fell from the estate in which they were created. How did they fall? Well, the evil one came and tempted Eve. She ate the forbidden fruit. And she gave some to her husband. And he did likewise. And they disobeyed a direct commandment from the Lord their God, who told them they could eat from the, of the fruit from any tree in the Garden of Eden except one. There was nothing special about that tree. It was simply to test them whether they would, in fact, obey God or not. And sadly, what happened was they listened to the evil one. And ever since that time, sin has come into human existence. Our first parents became sinners. They had a sinful nature. And since we've all come from Adam and Eve, we've all inherited their sinful nature. We cannot escape it. And that's why even in the womb we have this sinful nature. And when we come out of the womb, that sinful nature can be seen in sinful actions, in sinful words, and in sinful thoughts. We're all affected by it. All of us. That's why this message that we seek to bring to your attention today about Christ and Christianity, this message is for every one of us. 
we're all exactly the same in this respect. We might be well educated or uneducated. We might be rich or poor. We might be male or female. We might speak with a different tongue and have a different color of skin, but we're all human. And we're all exactly the same in the sense that we're sinners. For there is no difference for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that just simply means we have missed the mark, all of us. And some people come to realize this. And what do they do? They try to be reconciled to God using their own ways, their own methods. But to no avail. Because Jesus tells us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. No one can possibly be reconciled to God. No one can have the gift of eternal life. No one will be found in heaven unless Jesus Christ takes them. That's the only way. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus who gave his life a ransom for all to be testified in due time. There's one God and there's one way to God. There may be many, many religions and indeed there are. But all of them, friends, are false. None of them can save you. Only Jesus Christ. He is the only one who has come down from heaven. This again is something that makes Christianity unique. Our great King and Head is the one who has come down from heaven. And he has returned to heaven. No one else has ever done that. No other religious leader or teacher or guru has ever come down from heaven. None but the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why, friends, He is unique. That's why He's able to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And that's why we come out this afternoon to introduce this person to you that you might seek him, that you would call upon him, and you have every encouragement to call upon him. As I said earlier, we're all sinners, but that should not keep us from calling upon him, because it's sinners that he has come to save. He said on one occasion, those that are sick or the whole, they, they don't need the physician, but they that are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And therefore, this is a great encouragement to us, regardless of our lives, regardless of what we've done.
We are to call upon Jesus Christ the Lord. We are to seek Him while He may be found. And I put it to you, this is a time when Jesus Christ is to be found here this afternoon in your hearing the authentic Christian gospel has been brought to your attention. This is in order that you might call upon him, that you would indeed seek him while he may be found. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the chief. Therefore, friends, let us cast aside our rebellion. Let us cast aside our unbelief. Let us go. Let us call upon him. He will receive us. We have a great encouragement in the gospel. Come unto me, all ye that labor under heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We're going to take a short break, but may God be pleased to bless his word to you this afternoon. Good afternoon. We're glad you're able to join with us again. We're here from Partick, Free Church of Scotland, continuing. We're out on our weekly open-air outreach. This week we're coming from uh, Cannon Street in Glasgow City Centre. We're glad you're able to join with us. One or two out here handing out gospel tracts. If uh, take a track from the people... You might not be able to read it at the moment. When you get it, that you might be uh, aware of us, that you would know that we're a genuine Christian congregation. Well, this afternoon we want to speak to you about a glorious person. What is that person? Who is that person? That person is none other than the Son of God. <clears throat> the Bible talks about the Son of God like this, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, or principalities or powers all things were created by him and for him and he is before all things and by him all things consist this is the Bible's description it's not a complete description but it's a description of the Lord Jesus Christ he is the image of the invisible God. If you want to know what God is like, friends, you study the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who has created all things, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth. Everything that we can see all around us, the sun, the moon, the stars, the planets, this earth, the people, all the fish, all the birds, all the animals, all the insects, all plant life, everything has been created by the Lord Jesus Christ, 
the Son of God. And He's the one who has created the spiritual world. There is another world round about us here. It's a world that is occupied by the angels at this time. But it's a world that we're all ra rapidly heading towards. The eternal world. But the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, He's the one who has created all of these things. And He is before all things. And by Him all things consist. And therefore we want to correct an error that many people teach and preach. They try to tell us that the Lord Jesus Christ is a creature. Well, He is not. He is the Son of God. And He always was the Son of God. He is eternal. He is the great Creator God. And there are many people who try to tell us that Christ Himself is a creature. No. Our faith, our hope, our trust is upon the Son of God who became the Son of Man in order that ultimately He would suffer and die in our room and in our place on Calvary's tree. John chapter 1 verse 1 tells us in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. There John is reminding us about the divinity of the Savior. The Word became flesh. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. He is the great creator. He himself was not created. He is from everlasting to everlasting. Paul tells us in his letter to the Philippians about what Jesus Christ did in order to save his people who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross there the Paul the apostle is reminding us of the great condescension and humiliation of the Son of God who being in the form of God came down to this world became like us moved among us lived in poverty for a season then began his public ministry ultimately around three years after that what happens to him he's crucified on Calvary's tree we might think, well, that's a waste of a great life. But no, it was all part of God's plan in order to 
work out a way whereby sinful mankind could be reconciled to God. And we are grateful today that that way was perfect. How do we know it was perfect? Well, we know it was perfect because Jesus Christ cried out on the cross, It is finished. But furthermore, we know it was perfect because on the first day of the week he arose from the grave. The grave could not hold him. Now I ask you, honestly, consider this. Would God raise an an imposter? Would God raise to life a charlatan? Would God raise to life a deceiver? No, impossible. The very fact that he rose again demonstrates that his work was acceptable to God the Father. And that's why we have a gospel this afternoon to declare to you. A gospel whereby you are urged to put your faith and hope and trust upon him who lives forevermore. Yes. We're not telling you to look to a dead saviour. We're not telling you to look to a saviour who's in a manger. Hi there. Hello there. Are you? I am indeed, yes. Oh. Good to meet you. Andrew. You're the minister, aren't you? Aye, yeah. Good to meet you. Good. Felicity's away at the moment, isn't she? She's, she's just going away, actually. I think it's either today or t- today. Okay. I won't right. see her tonight. We go to the same CU. Oh, right, Christ, okay. Christian Union. Right. Oh. At, at same uni. We got on really well. Good good friend of mine. Good, good. What's your name? Cameron. Cameron. Well, I'll tell her that I met you. Okay, she goes to your, goes to your church every, every Sunday. Sunday evening prayer meeting. Ah, she was there last night. Ah, she, yeah. was, she was saying that. All oh, right, okay. Uh-huh. I know it's continuing, isn't it? Uh-huh. I never, I never actually knew con- continuing existed till I met Velocity because I've been to three churches in Scotland, uh-huh. but I haven't like attended like a, a continuing. And there's so many different denominations within it within because the one I'm from Kilmarnock, you see, uh-huh. and the, okay. the, the, the nearest free church to me is United Free Church. Okay, that's a different one altogether. So, how near is air to you? Yeah, air. probably about half an hour, 20 minutes, 20 minutes actually. Well, Tw- there's a continuing in air. Yeah. I've never actually been, but she speaks highly of yourself in the in the fellowship. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm Baptist by denomination. Okay, so okay. I'm, so right. it's not a Reformed Baptist church, it's in the Union. Ah, uh, the Baptist Union uh-huh, Scotland. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So I get, I get, I get saved just in 2014. Alright, okay. Nine years ago, right. came, came from no church background, but People shared the gospel with me and Excellent. gave me tracks and I met Christian friends, etc. Uh-huh. And God was constantly working in my heart, drawing me to him. Right. And I gave my life to the Lord. Good. So Excellent. So What a encouragement to hear this from, from your camera. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, she speaks very highly of your church. Uh, well, so, so, so she does. There's one or two of us out here uh, handing out tracks. It's, it's, it's very, very... Um, different from my sort of church so as you know it's more kind of more kind of he's a more sabbatarian i would say yes you know with with the conservative maybe we're more conservative i would say that but i'm seeing more sabbatarian like when it comes to like the sunday like sunday the the lord's day yeah you know um like obviously not do anything in the lord's day is is that that right well we do some things (laughs) he's a friend of felicity's He's, he's a Christian. He's a yeah, Christian. Christian myself. She's from Isla Lewis. Isla Lewis. I know it's the uni, but the same uni. Brilliant. She knows. She knows. She's passed by my tractor. 
I'll carry on preaching. Good to see you. Good to see you. What's your name? Sorry. Andrew. Andrew, that was it. Good to meet you, Andrew. Okay, Cameron. Yes, by all means. Well, we're glad to be out this afternoon, friends. To your attention, the work and the person of the Son of God, we say he is really in the very centre of Christianity. And without Christ, there is no Christianity. And without Christ, there is no good news. And what is the good news? Well, the good news is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. And that's why we come out, friends, because we have to be saved. What do we have to be saved from? We have to be saved from our sins. It doesn't matter how old we are or how young we are. It doesn't matter how religious we are or irreligious. It doesn't matter our background. It doesn't matter about the color of our skin or the language that we speak or whether we're male or female. We're all sinners. And therefore, we're all in need of a Savior. And we are delighted this afternoon to be able to tell you that this Savior has been revealed. This Savior has been revealed to all mankind. And this Savior is none other than the Son of God who became the Son of Man. And he showed his great love towards uh, mankind by going to the cross and suffering and dying. Now, why did he go to the cross? Why did he suffer? Why did he die? He himself lived a perfect life, but he went to the cross because it was God's way to deal with mankind's greatest problem. It was God's way of dealing with our sin. And God, because he's God, cannot just dismiss sin because sin is offensive to God and he must deal with it. And he did deal with it. He punished someone else in a room and place. He punished his own, only begotten son. He laid upon him the iniquity of us all. That's the glory and that's the wonder of the Christian gospel. Because the Christian gospel deals with, confronts us with our greatest problem and need. We have many problems. We have many needs in our personal life, in society. But this one tops them all. The need to be reconciled to God. The need to have our sins forgiven. And here, friends, in this verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's what God did. This is not what mankind did. Mankind has a great problem. And you think, 
that mankind would want to address that problem, but no. Mankind is away from the problem, does not want to face up to it. Like many people today, we don't want to face up to the realities that we're estranged and that we're separated from God and that we're under His wrath and curse and judgment. But God, who is rich in grace and mercy, He has done something about it. He sent His Son and on the cross, for He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. In, the, in of ourselves, we're all guilty. We're all unrighteous in the sight of God. There are no exceptions. The speakers are not accepted. Those who are on rocks, they are not accepted. For all have sinned, short of the glory of God. But in Christ, friends, we are made the righteousness of God in Him. Can you believe it? That when that great day will come, when we will stand before Almighty God and we shall give account for what we have done, if we are in Christ, we will be declared righteous in his sight. We will be able to stand before God with no fear. Why? Because Jesus Christ has been condemned in our room and in our place. This, friends, is the very heart of the gospel that Jesus Christ has died in our room and place. He is the divine substitute who has been appointed by Almighty God to be the saviour of men and women and boys and girls. Now, friends, what will you do? What will you do about this? Will you respond? How can we respond? What should we do? What is required? Repent and believe the gospel. That's what's required. And when we say repent, what does it mean? It means to turn away from our sins. And the principal sin that we're to turn away from is unbelief. Unbelief in the person and in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to have biblical views of this person. We are to recognize that he is the Son of God. When he said that to the Jews, they accused him of blasphemy. But friends... He is the Son of God. God has a Son. He always had a Son. The Lord Jesus Christ never became His Son. He always was the Father's Son. He is eternally begotten from the Father. And you are to believe upon Him. You are to believe that He is divine. You are to believe that He is the only mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave his life a ransom for all to be testified in due time. You are to believe there that on Calvary's tree he was being treated as a sinner, yet he himself never sinned. Instead, the sins of his people were being imputed unto him, and he was dying in their room and in their place. You must believe. 
And you must believe, friends, that he saves. The Bible tells us that he's able to save to the uttermost those that come unto, unto him because he ever liveth to make intercession for them. That's the Savior we commend to you this afternoon. That's the Savior that you have to deal with. How can you possibly deal with them? You must call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever, there are no exceptions. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. We see today on the street many young people, and indeed it's good to see the young people, but the Bible has an, an exhortation for them. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. While the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. There is an encouragement and an incentive to the young to seek the Lord now, to give their life to the Lord now, in the prime of their lives, that they can dedicate themselves to the service of King Jesus. Too many people think that when they've had their fill of life, when they're old, then maybe they will consider the claims of Christ. Then, somehow they think that when they get older, they'll suddenly become Christians and everything will work out well for them. Well, friends, that's a very dangerous position to take. Extremely dangerous. For instance, we don't know how long we shall live for. None of us knows whether we shall have old age or not. Life can be very short and brief. James tells us that our life is but a vapor. It's like when the kettle boils and steam comes out of the kettle. It rises up, but before you know where you are, it disappears. It's gone. That's your life. You might think you have many decades in front of you, and indeed we hope you do have, but none of us is guaranteed these things. We are told in the Bible, teach us to number our days. Teach us to number our days. Not our years, but our days. And you only have today to get right with God. The Bible tells us today is the day of salvation. Behold, Paul says on one occasion, the great apostle, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Today, the Lord and the Word of God tells us today, devil tells us tomorrow. He says you're always going to have tomorrow. You can leave these things until you get older. But the Bible says now, 
because we don't know one day from the next. And soon we'll go the way of all the earth. We'll all be gathered to our fathers. We're all mortal. We all have an end. And where will you go? When life is over, where will you go? The atheist, what does he say? Well, there's no life after death for the atheist. He thinks this world is all that is. And once this is over, it's curtains for him. Well, we know that's nonsense. How do we know it's nonsense? We know it's nonsense because Jesus suffered and Jesus died and was put in a tomb and he rose up again on the first day of the week. Therefore, we know there is life after death. Don't let anyone delude you and think that this is the only time we have. We've got eternity. Where will you go? when you pass into eternity. Well, friends, the Bible tells us these things. It tells us in order that we might be informed and in order that we might prepare ourselves. Because we will go to one of two places. We will either go to be with Christ in heaven, which is far better, or we, we shall go to that terrible place that the Bible calls hell, a place of torment, a place that has been prepared for the devil and for his angels. There's no purgatory, no purgatory whatsoever. God has his prison house. We have prisons here where we put our vilest of offenders and we lock them up. Well, God has a prison. It's a place called hell. And if we're not in Christ, if we don't have our sins forgiven, if we're not reconciled to God, and we die in that condition, friends, that's where we'll go. That's why we come out and we tell you, there's another way. There's a way to get right with God. There's a way for our sins to be forgiven. There's a way to be reconciled. And that way is found in the Savior, in the Lord Jesus Christ, in that one who suffered the pains of hell on the cross as a substitute in the room and in the place of others. And that's the one that you must call upon. He alone can save. We're here from Partick, Free Church of Scotland, continuing a local congregation we minister in the west end of Glasgow. We give you a warm welcome to attend our services. They're held on the Lord's Day Sunday, the first day of the week at 11 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. And we meet at 2 Thornwood Terrace, Upton Barton Road. You'll come to the police station opposite the police station, go up the hill, you will come to Thornwood Primary School, and we're just next door to Thornwood Primary School at the crossroads, and we extend a warm welcome to you to come along 
any Lord's Day, 11 a.m. or 6 p.m. You will be made most welcome. Going to take a short break, but may God bless his word to you this afternoon. Good afternoon. We're here from Partick Free Church of Scotland. Continuing with a local congregation, we minister in the west end of Glasgow and Partick. Our premises are at 2 Thornwood Terrace, Guapton Barton Road, and you'll come to the police station. Opposite the police station, go up the hill, you'll come to Thornwood Primary School. We're next door on the crossroads and we extend a warm welcome to you to come along any Lord's Day, 11 a.m. or 6 p.m. And we also have a, a midweek meeting on Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. It's a pleasure to be out this afternoon on Buchanan Street in Glasgow City Centre. And for a few moments, we just want to draw your attention to the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a message that we all need to hear. Why do we need to hear this message? Here we are on the street in Glasgow, Buchanan Street, and everyone wants your attention. The shopkeepers want your attention. The buskers want your attention. Why do they all want your attention? Well, basically, they want your attention so that they can get your money. Well, friends, we're not interested in your money. We want to tell you something about the Lord Jesus Christ because you need to have your sins forgiven and you need to be reconciled to God. And the only way for this to happen is to have Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because whether we realize it, and whether we find it acceptable or not, the reality is that we're all sinners in the sight of God. And God is a holy God. He's a God that will not tolerate sin. The Bible describes him, Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look upon iniquity. That's the God of the Bible. That's the God who made us and formed us. That's the God with whom we have to deal with. Ultimately, we will stand before him and give account of ourselves on that great and awesome day and nothing that we can do can in any way change these things therefore we have to prepare ourselves and we have to avail ourselves of the means that he has provided in order to be reconciled to God you see God is a holy God we are sinners but God has done something about it he has done something about it to address our greatest need problem. What is it? What has he done? Well, he has sent his son. This is God's solution to our great problem. We said it earlier, for there is no difference for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us, none are accepted. 
There are no exclusions. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the Bible goes on to tell us that the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. That's why death came into this world. Death was, is foreign to us. It was never God's plan or intention to have death in this world. But death has come into this world because of sin. But God has done something about it. It's not mankind. It's God. He's the one who has taken the initiative. He's the one who has been offended by our behavior. And you would ordinarily think, well, if God is the one who has been offended, then mankind should do something in order to repair the relationship. Well, that's not the case. When Adam sinned, he ran away from God. He didn't want anything to do with God. Before he was happy to be with God. Before he delighted in the relationship that he had with God. But when he sinned, he began to run away from God and he began to fear God. Fear him because he knew that he was under God's wrath and curse and that he deserved punishment. This is where we find ourselves today. This is why many people don't listen to the gospel. This is why many people have abandoned going to the house of God because they don't like to hear the truth. They don't like to hear the scriptures read. And they don't like to hear a minister tell them concerning their great problem and their great need. They don't want to be confronted with the truth. But friends, we must confront people with the truth because we can run from the truth for so long. But one day there will be a day when we'll give account. One day, a great, glorious, awesome, terrible day awaits the whole of the human race. What will that day be? That day will be when we stand before King Jesus. When he's on his great white throne. And when he will assemble all of mankind. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That everyone may receive the things done in the body. According to that he hath done. Whether it be good or bad. That's what awaits all of us friends. You can run from Jesus Christ today. You can reject him today. You might never enter into a church. And you might abandon God and the Bible and Christianity. You might do that for a season. But, 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 there's a day coming when you will stand before him. And that's why we want to come out, friends. Because today, we are happy to tell you, today is the day of grace. What does that mean? It's a day of God's grace of God's mercy, of God's favor towards mankind. That's the day that we have. This is a day when God is extending his favor to you, to everyone within earshot. God in the gospel is telling you, come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, come unto me, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. 
And this is what we need, friends. This is what Jesus says to us in the Gospel. The prophet Isaiah said something similar in the Old Testament. Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else. And the prophet Isaiah was not talking about himself. He doesn't want you to come to him. Rather, he's pointing to another. He's pointing to the Savior who was to come and who did come some 600 years after he uttered that prophecy. The Lord Jesus Christ came in the fullness of time. And when the prophet said, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. He was pointing to the Savior, to the Lord Jesus Christ. And friends, this is whom we commend to you this afternoon. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What kind of rest is he talking about? He's talking about a peaceful conscience. Do we want to have a peaceful conscience? The only way that we can have a peaceful conscience is to be right with God. Because that's why we have a troubled conscience. Because we know that by nature, we're not right with God. That's why our conscience troubles us, and sometimes more than others. Times like maybe when you're trying to get to sleep at night, and you cannot get to sleep because there's something in the back of your mind. You maybe aren't able to identify it or articulate it, but I can tell you what it is. It is because you're not right with God. And sometimes this burden becomes more and more evident and real. Maybe when someone you know passes on, or maybe when yourself, when you're lying low and sick and your mortality comes before you, then your conscience is troubling you. Why does it trouble you? Because you're not right with God. Well, friends, we have good news today. We have the news that has come from heaven. We have the good news of the Christian gospel that there is a Savior. There is a Savior who has dealt with sin. Yes, he has dealt with sin to the satisfaction of God the Father and indeed the whole blessed Trinity were involved in this glorious work of redemption. And the Christian gospel, friends, tells us that one has come down from heaven and who has embraced our problem and dealt with it. He came down to this world. He became like us. And he did this in order that he would be able to suffer and die because... As the Son of God, he could never suffer. And as the Son of God, he could never die. 
But when he became the Son of Man, when he became the God-Man, our mediator, then, friends, he could suffer, and he did suffer. At, at Gethsemane, he suffered great drops of blood, sweated from him when he began to realize what lay ahead of him. And then when he went to the cross, he suffered. He suffered and died. He suffered because God punished him in a room and place, but we rejoice because he was condemned so that his people would not be condemned. He was condemned in order that those who would believe upon him would not be condemned. This is the great good news of the Christian gospel. And I tell you, there's no other religion that can give you this, this hope, this confidence, this peace with God. Why? Because Jesus Christ alone has made atonement for our sins. He has satisfied divine justice. God is well pleased with him. Did he not say? Did the Father not say? When Christ was baptized, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Well, friends, I tell you that if God the Father is well pleased with the Son, should not we be well pleased with Him? Should not we accept what the Father has provided for our salvation? What a terrible cheek it is to, to reject the Son of God, to reject the glorious salvation that Christ has purchased by His life and death and resurrection. Do you think... Do you think there's going to be another way to be saved? Do you think God is going to devise or accept another way to be saved? I tell you no. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. There's no other way. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? The Apostle Paul says, consider it, is there another way? Is there another way to get right with God? No. Do you think God would provide another way when he sent the ultimate gift of his son? I don't think so. That's why we're told there's no other way, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. No other way, no other Savior, no other God. Nothing else is coming from heaven. This is it, friends. We have to embrace it as it is freely offered to us in the gospel. We're here this afternoon from Partick, Free Church of Scotland continuing. Please take a gospel tract from some who are handing out these tracts. You may not be able to read them at the moment but take them home read them they have our contact details and if you would like a copy of the scriptures please make yourself known and we will endeavor to furnish you with a copy of god's holy and infallible word 
Well, friends, we were talking earlier on about that great day that's coming. What is that great day? That great day is a day of judgment when everyone shall stand before King Jesus, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. That day is coming. You need to prepare for that day. And on that day, friends, you want a Savior. Well, we're telling you about that Savior today because you must have him today. You must be found in Christ today. Paul goes on to say, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. That's why we come out. That's why we leave our manses. That's why we leave our pulpits and our churches. That's why we come out with the good news of the Christian gospel out in the street. Because you won't come to us. We must come to you because you must hear about this. This message we dare not ignore. Young or old, this is for all. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And I want to ask you then, friends, before we call it a day this afternoon, have you received Christ as Lord and Savior? Is He your Savior? I didn't ask you, did you go to church? I didn't ask you, did you read your Bible? I didn't ask you, did you pray? Friends, what I asked you is, do you have Christ as your Lord and Savior? You must have Him. How can I have Him? The only way you can have him is to call out to him. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a wonderful promise from the Bible. And God's word does not lie. Call upon the Savior while he is near. And we have wonderful encouragement in the, in the word of God to call upon him. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. Mercy. Our God is merciful. Our God is gracious. But it's only in Christ. It's only on his terms. It's only in the Savior. And he will have mercy upon him unto our God, for he will abundantly pardon. We're going to draw our time to a close, but it's good to be here this afternoon, and we do ask and pray that God would follow with his blessing upon the proclamation of his own infallible word.